Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets on this Friday, ending the week right with some Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. One more week in the books, Doug. I like a Friday night basketball game, you know. It's the end of a long week. You can go home, throw a steak on the grill or something like that, what have you, and then watch some NBA hoops. Well, listen, the weather's getting colder, so throw those stakes on while you can. Yeah, the Hornets uh, dueling with the Brooklyn Nets tonight, 7.30 p.m. on uh, Fox Sports Southeast. We're going to have a preview of that game coming up with uh, one of my favorites, David Wurzberger. One of my favorite Davids. Yes. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) Uh, We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Panthers fans, make sure to head over to iTunes after the show. Subscribe to the Locked On Panthers podcast with host Steve Reed. Okay, let's go out to Brooklyn where we do have David Wurzberger. Uh, He covers the NBA, covers the Brooklyn Nets for a minion outlet, and he stopped by or or called in and let us know uh, what he knows about these Brooklyn Nets. Let's take a listen. David, the Nets get their second victory of the year over the darling pick of the Eastern Conference, the Detroit Pistons. They now sit at 2-3 and on the season. Very respectable number. What's holding this team together right now? The Nets play good basketball. Uh, Kenny Atkinson sort of brought over this uh, Spurs-Hawks-esque uh, motion offense and uh, aggressive defense. And guys, these guys are smart. They know how to run the system. And they shoot a lot of threes. And that sort of formula, along with how together and how hard these guys try for each other, even though this is a season that's going to end in like 25 wins tops, uh, they're just going to surprise some teams, man. You, you come off a, a second game of a back-to-back or you underestimate the Nets, and they'll, they'll catch you by surprise. All they need to do is get hot from three. They don't have the best shooters, but they have some streaky shooters that can uh, pick it up out of nowhere. Jeremy Lin is obviously a, you know an okay point guard, but he has his moments, and he can have some great games. He had 21-99 against the Pacers. Uh, yeah, this team will just catch you off guard. I read that one of the reasons that Jeremy Lin decided to sign with Brooklyn is because they've got a new head coach, Kenny Atkinson, the point guard whisperer, and Jeremy Lin and Kenny have a history with one another in New York. Tell us about Kenny's uh, style and strategy as a head coach so far early in the season. Uh, the one thing he, thing he keeps talking about is culture, and he really wants to build a culture here, and when you think what kind of culture he wants to build is obviously a Spurs type uh, winning first selfless type attitude. And, you know, it's off to a decent start. He's got some, some veterans here sort of uh, playing their heart out really uh, despite the, the glum circumstances the Nets find themselves in. As far as system wise, you know, offensively, it's sort of a, 
a poor man's spurs, you know, just some typical motion stuff. It's a lot of freelancing. You know, these guys are uh, smart players. So they can sort of think on the fly, but they don't have quite enough playmakers to make it work well. And defensively, it's sort of been a mixed bag. Sometimes they'll be uh, really aggressive on the pick and roll, uh, but they don't really have the athletes to pull that off, even though guys sort of know where to be position-wise. Uh, when they play conservatively, they're, they're pretty okay defensively. It, it just Sometimes they just get outworked as far as talent. So listen, the Cubs won the World Series on Wednesday, and Brooke Lopez on that same uh, day hit now, now four out of that's five. That's baseball, right? That's baseball. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let me mix mix in my sports metaphors here. But uh, on that same day, Brooke Lopez hit four of five threes against Detroit on Wednesday. I don't know if there was a full moon, but something was going on. I'm not. I don't even know which one of those is more amazing. What's going on with the big man in Brooklyn? So that that's it, it's something I actually wrote about last year because Brooke Lopez has long uh, taken a lot of long twos and. Yeah, in today's NBA climate, just why not step back and take that three, get that extra point in, you know, if you can. So I wrote about that last year. Uh, Lopez only took maybe five career threes before this season, something like it, or, or maybe made five career threes. And mm-hmm. this season, he, he's pulling it. I mean, Atkinson wants him to. It's a bit of a departure for Lopez. Really, the whole offense is because he's a guy that's long been giving the ball in the low post, uh, give me 10 seconds of shot clock to work with. I'm going to go find a bucket. And now he's in this motion offense, a lot of screening, a lot of movement, and he's getting different shots. And he's, it's looked awkward at points, but he's sort of, sort of finding his groove in it. And if he can make those three-point shots, that'll really help. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, Atkinson's encouraging it. Lopez is open to it. I, I don't really mind it. I mean, this isn't like – if this were a situation where the Nets had a roster that could compete for the playoffs – and, you know, didn't have their draft pick. And the goal is the playoffs this year, right? It's a hypothetical. Then we could talk about, uh, Lo- should Lopez be taking these? I mean, is he more useful around the basket? I don't know. But, I mean, this season, why not experiment? Why not throw him out there, see how he does, and see if you could, you know, maybe up his trade value that way as well. All right, last question. Uh, give me a quick prediction here. What do you think? Did the Nets make it 3-3 three and three against the Hornets? Uh, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, Kemba's going to be a really uh, – Lynn might not even play too. So without Lynn, I, I don't know what this Nets team can do. I don't think it's much. I mean, he's he's either their best or second-best player, and after that, it really drops off. So with the question of Lynn being out, and Charlotte's just – it's just a good team. I mean, they go out, and, and I think Zach Lowe keeps preaching how they basically start every game off up five points or something just by the way of not turning it over and playing smart defense uh, I'd, I'd have to go with charlotte in this one david Wurzberger going with charlotte in this one david he writes on the nba you can follow him on twitter at underscore verts v-e-r-t-s and joining me earlier today and jeremy lynn officially declared out for this one so he won't get the mm-hmm. jeremy lynn versus kimball walker a matchup that I think a lot of people in Charlotte and a lot of people who follow Lynn were looking forward to seeing. And uh, Roy Hibbert on the Hornets side also declared out for this game. Uh, Coach Clifford saying after practice today that he's feeling better, but just not ready to play quite yet, still recovering uh, from knee soreness. Uh, David, 
the other David, Wurzberger, made it sound so easy. Mm. Just just step out a little farther and, and hit a three. But it hasn't been that easy for uh, the, the Charlotte Hornets big men this season, especially Cody Zeller. <laughs> Uh, but um, Brooke Lopez has consistently hit long twos, so yeah. there was a shorter way to develop. They're still trying to develop Cody Zeller's mid-range game, but I just right. love how he put that. Just, just you know, just take a just couple take a, steps farther. You're right there. Just take a step back. Yeah, they kind of skipped that step with Cody, didn't they? I mean, they they tried to extend it all the way out to the three without getting anything in between, and you're seeing them go back and try and get that mid-range jumper locked in this year. But, you know, I, David, he does a good job because you can hear it in his voice that uh, they're realistic about the Nets, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they know what they have. Yeah. Um, they do have Lopez and Lynn, which is interesting. I'm, I'm disappointed and and um, and uh, it's sad for Lynn that he won't be able to play. Because, I mean, I'll be honest, Doug, like, that was a bit of a – I mean, it was a resurgence last year. It wasn't anything like Linsanity here in Charlotte. But I really enjoyed having him on the Hornets. Um, I thought he was a great guy in the locker room, and the players and the coaches seemed to think so as well. And so I'm happy for him that he got his chance to shine, get that starting job. But it's a little bit disappointing we won't be able to see him. But I definitely think that ups the chances of a uh, of a Charlotte victory. Yeah, for sure. It would not have been – I don't think it would have been a revenge game type of thing where you see like Gary Neal or Ben Gordon come back and torch the Hornets. Uh, but it Gerald would have – Gerald Henderson most recently, but it would have been fun just because Kimba Walker and Jeremy Lin uh, made headlines playing alongside one another last season and how effective they were mm-hmm. playing together to see those two guys go one-on-one would have just been interesting from a, a competitive standpoint. One other note about the Brooklyn Nets that I want to point out, they do like to get out into transition, uh, 16% of their offense coming from transition, and uh, they get about 1.13 points per possession on those looks so this is a young team it's an athletic team and just like philadelphia you've got you've got some injuries and you have you'll have some players that certainly as uh, verts pointed out are not going to be there talent wise but effort wise and and uh you know this idea that they're they're going to want to show something and whether it be sean kilpatrick who has an ability to put up big numbers or, or even um, Isaiah Whitehead, who has not had a great season, but again, you know, he gets an op- could get an opportunity to start in this one if Grievous Vasquez can't give it a go, and you have an opportunity for if the Hornets aren't ready for this game, you have another opportunity like in that Philly game where they could jump out early on the Hornets. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Doug. I mean, the Hornets should win this game. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And what we want to see, I think, what you guys want to see as well is them come out and not mess around. I mean, it's a Friday night game on the road in Brooklyn. They've got a tougher schedule coming up at the beginning of next week when they're going to face some better teams. And they need to learn from that experience they had against Philadelphia earlier this week. So I think that's what the Clippers are going to be preaching. Last year, they were able to bounce back after some bad performances. And were this is not a back-to-back, but they were good on, on the second night of back-to-backs last year. So... Um, that's what you're looking for. I think that's what uh, folks are looking for from Hornets fans uh, tonight uh, is to see them, you know, get on the nets early and maybe, maybe even rest some guys late. I mean, that's that's getting a little ahead of ourselves, but it's certainly possible. So, David, I- I've been thinking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was I was thinking back to Thursday. We talked about this. I was thinking we back about this. I was thinking back to Thursday's show, and right. I- I'm wondering 
are we being a little too hard on the Hornets, who are three and one? They've gotten two tough road victories at the beginning of the season. Not the not the best opponents in terms of strength of schedule, but they were two uh, wins that they had to gut out. And and, yeah. and and I look, Clifford talked at practice today about this team having stretches of really great play. And in, on Thursday, we profiled some stretches of not so great play. But maybe, maybe you and I are being a little hard on the Hornets. What do you think? It's certainly possible, Doug. I think that we're being, you know, we're calling them like we're seeing. We're seeing them, though. I mean, we did feel good about the third quarter in Philadelphia. Um, we were critical when they came out. And, you know, when you walk into the arena and the Hornets are down nine to Philly in the first half, uh, it's concerning. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to put it. Um, and, 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 but you're right. I mean, the record being what it is, I think you have to look at the competition and look, we're only four games in, right? So we're not going to really know what this team is or who their opponents are for maybe another couple of weeks. But, um, I think we're being, uh, fairly critical. I mean, I think we're being critical to, uh, not to a fault, but I mean, a fair amount. All right. So it was Friday. I had some extra time on my hands and I went, I went and pulled some stats. I went a stat pulling, and mm-hmm. <laughs> I fished out these numbers. So you know the Hornets are always looking for balanced play. That's Steve Clifford's big deal, right? You know, balanced play on offense and defense. Wants to be a top 10 offensive team and a top 10 defensive team. Now, during the preseason and during media day, there was a lot made of Clifford basically saying, look, this team has to be top five defense because the offense could could see a regression. Well, well, right. We're early, David, but they are a top 10 offense, 105.6 um, uh, offensive rating. Last night certainly helped that. Uh, fourth right. in defense at 95.1. So they have, again, early, but they have achieved that top five defense for now. They are sixth in net rating, uh, joining Atlanta, number one, Minnesota, Cleveland, San Antonio, and Chicago. So some some good company there. They are seventh in free throw attempt rate. And they are fourth in opponents' free throw attempt rate. And I think that's important because you've seen in a couple of these games where the offense itself, ball movement, shooting, wasn't on for the Hornets. They still can revert back to what made them successful last season, which was getting to the line a ton and and converting. And so the the converting part is is starting to trouble me a little bit. The past couple of games they they've missed a, a few they'll, they'll need to get that yeah. worked out but they can get they get to the line so much i mean they nearly double up their opponents in free throw attempts that you can stand to miss a few and they don't foul a lot that's their big thing they guard without fouling they're also uh, first in points per possession on cuts and and on those cuts they are fouled a lot 29% that leads the league and they are they're first in the league on points per possession on cuts, and you see that uh, Kemba, MKG, Marvin, Batum, even Marco Bellinelli, all using uh, the cut uh, to really get to the basket, and not only get to the basket but get fouled. And so mm-hmm. that's that's my thing. I, I think we may be a little hard on this team because it is so early, but at the same time, we're just I think you and I are kind of on the same page here. We're seeing things that concern us even though they've been able to put a Band-Aid on the situation by getting to the free-throw line? Oh, free-throw has been huge. You highlighted it, and we've seen it uh, all throughout. It kept them in those games that they were able to win. Without those, 
then we would be talking. We would be being super critical because they would have lost some, some of those games. Yeah. But you're right. That was some good numbers and analysis. And defensively, they've had some challenges as well, I think. Just look, just look against the first half against Philly, right? I mean, we talked about it. They were moving the ball and getting whatever they wanted um, against a starting group for, for some of that, too. So, David, the defensive challenges that the Hornets have had were also on the mind of our uh, Locked On Hornets Live co-host, Justin Thomas, who was at practice today, got a chance to talk with Coach Clifford and asked him about how they are dealing with some of these defensive challenges. And Coach Clifford said, you know, look, in the modern NBA, teams are are stacking the deck and stacking rotations with players that can move the ball, can make plays, that don't have to have the ball come to them to create offense. They can create offense for others. And you you could have four or even all five players have that ability to drive the basket and move with and without the ball. And that presents all kinds of issues, and, and they are trying to combat that. And they've had a couple of opponents so far that have really tested them in, in that. And here's what Coach Clifford had to say at practice. It puts more pressure on your defense, your rotations, and basic coverages and ability to go from one play to the next. Um, so like any team, is you're going to have to be, how can I say, as clean with every coverage that you can regardless of what you're doing and then move on to the next play quickly. So it's a challenge for every team and it's something that we're going to have to get good at. And David, when he says clean with every coverage, I think he's referring to communication. Like if you're going to switch, then communicate you're going to switch. If you're going to drop back, then communicate that you're going to drop back. And I think that's what they have to work on. And I think, honestly, you know, we we talk about how amazing MKG is as a defensive player, and we mean every word of it. But I think, honestly, we've kind of underrated this idea that the Hornets have to reintegrate MKG back into this defensive scheme like it he's been gone yeah. a long time and Marvin had to take over a lot of those responsibilities and so you're yeah. you're sort of having to reform I don't want to say the hierarchy of the defense because I don't think there's any competition as in terms of like you know defensive quarterback between Marvin Williams and MKG but you know communication it's a two-way street I mean everybody has to be on the same yeah. page about who's going to talk and who's going to listen and, and I think that's what you're seeing here yeah, I mean, how much did we talk about that last year, that the communication and these guys were on a string, right? I mean, they were moving, and they knew, you know, you play the best defense when you move and you know there's a guy going to be either falling right behind you or, you know, the rotation's going to be there. You know what the other guys are going to do. I mean, just like on offense, so just like you're seeing when these, you know, new teams are created, when players go to new teams, like, you know, whether it's a KD or LeBron or whomever, there's an adjustment period. Well, you mentioned it. I mean, MKG is coming back into the fold after really not being there. And some people have referred to that as, you know, almost like a free agent signing. So it's a lot of the same thing. They got to get used to having him out there. And he is such an impactful player on defense, right? That what he does is going to be felt by everyone else. So there is a probably an adjustment period there too. But, you know, a good problem to have because one, he knows the system. And Clifford commented on that this offseason. He knows uh, so much about the system where everyone else is supposed to be. So by having them both out there, Marvin and MKG, 
you feel like they'll get that straightened out, you know, sooner rather than later, I think. Well, and they're working on it now. Kimba said after the game against Philly that they have been in the film room a lot trying to diagnose some of these issues and, and get things figured out. And that's what the early part of this season is all about. And I think that's what this Brooklyn Nets game will be all about because they've got a couple of tough games coming up. They'll come back home. Yeah. But they've got to play Cleveland. They've got to play Toronto. Well, they play Cleveland at Cleveland, but they'll have to play Toronto. Indiana, who is struggling right now, but they have a lot of talent and uh, several other teams that you know are really going to test this team like Boston did. And can they step up to that challenge? That'll go a long way to see where this team is, I think, defensively. So it will be very mm-hmm. interesting to watch Friday night. I'm going to be there. I'll be in Barclays Center, so I'll try to take some picks and vids. Should I do a... Um, you know, the, the the Hornets always do like a wheels up tweet when they leave from practice to get on the plane. <laughs> Should I do that from my, like, you know, American Airlines wheels up heading to Brooklyn? No, you should you should wear your business suit and put your headphones on and then just hashtag business trip. My business suit is business. a, a good, good pair of pajamas. I do my business. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to leave that whatever. there. That's your Friday night, Doc. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, one last segment before we get out of here for the weekend. Uh, Got to check in with the Greensboro Swarm. They're putting things together quickly, uh, assembling their roster, getting ready for the D-League season. And we've got a special guest uh, to help us cover this, John Bowman from D-League Digest. He was at Greensboro Swarm Media Day. Has some information for us. Let's uh, kick it over to John. I think the most important thing that Hornets fans will want to know is about the three affiliate players that are down in uh, Greensboro this year, and they are Rashid Suleiman, Mike Toby, and Perry Ellis. So those are three guys who are in camp with the Hornets, and they all spoke a lot about how much they learned from that experience, learning from some of the veteran players that the Hornets have on the roster. And now they're going to be spending some time in Greensboro this year. I think Suleiman is one to watch uh, most closely. He's a lot of fans probably recognize him from his time at Duke in Maryland, but he's a really athletic guard. Uh, he was close to making the roster. I know he said when asked if, uh, about his, if he wanted to be in the NBA or the D league, he said he's a competitive person. So he, he really knows and he thinks he's an NBA guy. He's going to be start the season in the D league, but I think he'll be up soon. And then the other two guys are Mike Toby and Perry Ellis. Those are some big guys. Uh, the Hornets have a lot of depth in the front court, I know, but those are two young guys. Toby went to Virginia. Uh, Perry Ellis went to Kansas. So those are also two guys to watch this season. And I know you got a chance to uh, hear from the coach, the new coach of the Greensboro Swarm. Tell us about him. Yeah, so the coach, uh, it's Coach Noel Gillespie, and it's his first time ever as a head coach. So I think he also spent some time with the Hornets in the preseason. And it was an incredibly valuable experience for him as well, just to learn from Coach Clifford. He said he was a part of all the meetings. And they're going to be running a very similar system basketball-wise, the Swarm are, that the Hornets are. So I think there's going to be a lot of similarities there in terms of organizational structure and how they're going to run things like offenses and stuff like that. So Coach Gillespie will be working through with this roster, which really he just met this week. It's kind of unique that Greensboro Swarm, basically all the players just show up this week and then they have to put it together pretty quickly because their season starts soon now i know at the top of this you talked about the players that the hornets organization will be sending to the greensboro swarm from training camp but they also have filled this roster with plenty of newcomers 
what have you heard from some of the players that maybe fans are not familiar with? Yeah, so they held a tryout uh, with about 200 people there. The Greensboro Swarm did just an open tryout. Anyone could sign up, pay a little bit of money, and uh, try out in front of their coaching staff. And they actually took a player from that tryout, uh, and he's on the Swarm now, uh, Kareem Story. Oh, wow. He actually has a yeah, he has a great story, actually. Uh, he said at the open tryout, he said uh, there was a guy who showed up there with uh, no shoes or uh, no socks on. So he was having <laughs> to compete with that sort of competition to make the. So he rose from that level of competition all the way up to he played well in Greensboro. Then he took him to a tri- private tryout in Charlotte, and now he's on the Greensboro Swarm. So he's a guy, definitely someone to root for if you're ever uh, watching some games to check him out. He's a great guy to talk to. The guy with no socks, listen, he could drive the basket, but he smelled horrendous. Couldn't, could, had yes. to cut him, had to cut him. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that, is, uh, no, that is a great story. Well, John, we'll get you back on here. We'll talk some more about the Greensboro Swarm throughout the season as they get ready to kick things off. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks again to John Bowman from D-League Digest. He will be uh, back every couple of weeks covering the Greensboro Swarm for us. David? That's all. That's fantastic. You, you like you that. like that story, we, but you, you play a lot of pickup ball here in Charlotte. You ever had a guy not wear socks? I mean, socks or no socks and tennis shoes in basketball? That's a lot of. That's yeah, a lot of that's heat. That's a bold move. That's a bold move. But you got to give it up to that guy. That's who we need to talk to. I guess. I hope you don't think someone like had an extra set in their gym bag and they was just so competitive out there. They're like, I'm not even going to give this dude some socks. I guess, yeah. Don't want to. Don't want to give him an extra. Not a leg up. Two, two, two legs up. Two feet up. Uh, interesting, yeah. interesting story there. Uh, okay, hey, but that's you know what, Doug. That, I'm so glad we've got that outlet. I mean, I don't know where else you guys are going to get these uh, any updates that close on the swarm this year. So that's so cool. I'm glad we'll be checking in with him every once in a while. Absolutely. All right, I got to catch a plane to to uh, Brooklyn. Hey, you want me to bring you back wheels anything? A ch- wheels up. You want me to bring you back a tchotchke? Maybe a magnet. Anything? Um, a, Hornets, yeah. a Hornets victory? A Hornets W, Doug. You read my mind. Yeah, say what's up to Jay-Z when you're up there, though. We'll do it. And, and Bay, right? And Bay, yeah, of course. All right, thanks for, Bay. <laughs> thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're there, give us a five-star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans just like yourself find this podcast. Shoot us your Hornets questions, your thoughts to buzz buzz at LockedOnHornets.com. Great. With the weekend coming up, it's a great time. Send us some questions, and we'll get to them next week. We're back again next week for more Hornets coverage, daily Hornets coverage. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.